nobody like this You ain't seen nobody like this You hear my sound all over town singing Good evening, and thank you for turning in to this week's episode of uh, SA Soccer Roundtable. Uh, my name is Harry. Um, unfortunately, Rafa is still dealing with uh, some family issues uh, that popped up, and, and thoughts and prayers, uh, Rafa, to, to you and your family while uh, you're going, uh, you know, through this trying time, uh, you know, for that here. Uh, Royce, unfortunately, uh, had also some family issues that. Uh, backed out at the, you know uh, that popped up at the last minute so unfortunately the the show goes on and and it's just me so uh this will this will uh this will be interesting <laughs> so uh for that here um for that here but uh so to kind of get started out here uh with uh, you know there, there's some uh, athenians news and some utsa uh soccer news that we need to uh, talk about here first uh, for that here. Uh, UTSA women's soccer uh, kicked off their season. Uh, they played in the Bank First Cowgirl uh, Soccer Invitational uh, up in Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, uh, hosted by Oklahoma State. Uh, they played uh, the first match against the host, uh, 0-2, um, lost uh, 0-2 to Oklahoma State uh, uh, for that here. However, this afternoon, um, they came back and responded with a, a, a very convincing 3-0 win over the University of Tulsa um, that included, uh, you know, some weather delays up there. So uh, safe travels back, uh, UTSA women's runners, uh, runners um, as you come back to San Antonio. Uh, if you can, uh, they've got a couple of matches this week. On August 26th, they're facing California Baptist at Park West um, off, six, uh, off 1604 uh, near the UTSA campus. And then um, August 29th, uh, which I believe is next Sunday at 1 p.m., uh, they'll host uh, Grand Canyon University, uh, you know, at the Park West Stadium there. Um, having been to a couple of uh, UTSA women's soccer uh, games there, uh, very, very fun atmosphere and, and very close to it here. Um, other news, former San Antonio FC player uh, and captain and San Antonio Scorpion legend, Rafa Castillo uh, joined uh, St. Mary's University uh, men's soccer staff here. Um, so exciting news uh, for Rafa, you know, as he continues in his coaching career. Uh, you know, the, you know, I know uh, the knowledge that he has uh, to be able to pass it on, you know, to you know the future generations of the game is is a way to give back. Um, the Rattler season will start September 3rd against Metro State up in Colorado, and the women uh, Rattlers uh, start at home uh, against the University of West Florida. Moving on to the Athenians, they had a multiple um, multiple uh, postseason awards here uh, for the UWS Southwest Conference. 
They're actually here. Hold on one second here. So the uh, uh, defensive player of the year, Jamie Erickson, uh, who also uh, was one of the Iron Women that went the full, um, full played every minute of the season. Uh, coach of the year, Fabio Amelo uh, of the Athenians was also uh, the coach of the year. Um, and what I enjoyed seeing here is um, between the first team and second team of UWS uh, Southwest Conference, uh, there were a total of six Athenians that were selected. Uh, the goalkeeper, uh, Mia Wildman, uh, defender, uh, Jamie Erickson, who was the defensive player of the year, uh, midfielder, Isabella uh, Bellick, and I'm sorry if I mispronounced your name, forward, Amanda Smith. And then on the second team, uh, we had um, Ashley um, Cathro and also um, Ashley Newland, who um, actually appeared on um, one of the episode, previous episodes of SA Soccer Roundtable. So congratulations to all six. Uh, once again, final congratulations to the Athenians. You know, was uh, an awesome year to be able to make it up to Round Rock. Um, came up a little bit short against the, uh, you know, uh, Santa Clarita Blue Heat uh, and, and that powerful team here, but uh, uh, represented San Antonio very, very well uh, for that here. One other thing on the UTSA uh, uh, soccer here, and this is according to uh, Conference USA Twitter, um, the predicted order of the finish here, uh, they predicted UTSA to come in sixth um, with Rice uh, coming in uh, to uh, first, uh, North Texas second, Southern Miss, UAB, UTEP, um, and then UTSA. Um, I, you know, from my experience, uh, you know, it wouldn't shock me to see UTSA um, sneak up a couple of spots and, and uh, possibly contend maybe for, you know, uh, you know, for top half of the, of the division there uh, for that here. We're going to get to it, Matt, here with the uh, SAFC signings. Uh, we're going to have, uh, we're going to have uh, Matt Pollard on from uh, the last world on soccer or last world on sports soccer. Um, that's going to talk about uh, the new uh, Loney coming in uh, from uh, the Colorado Rapids. Uh, for that here. So, for that here. All right. So, so since we last spoke with you, um, since we had last had an episode, just with you know, unfortunately, life popping up here. Um, last time we talked was when SAFC defeated uh, defeated Austin Bold 3-0 um, in a pretty convincing uh, manner. Um, since then, uh, they traveled to El Paso, uh, lost 2-0 in, in a pretty convincing fashion, in my opinion. Uh, would have loved to hear, or hear um, Royce's thoughts on it here. But I, I didn't think, you know, when, when you look at the stats um, for that game, uh, for that, you know, for, you know, for the El Paso match here. Um, you show that they, you know, they were two of eight uh, for shots on target. Um, they did have the possession, you know, for you know, you know, for it here. Um, well, they had two yellows where uh, um, El Paso actually ended up having a total of, of six yellows. Uh, one, you know, with uh, one player getting uh, Brian Rebellion getting uh, two of them to to get a red, red card late in the match uh, for that here. Um, then they came back and finished uh, that road trip with a 2-1 win 
at RGV um, to split the se season series here uh, with them here with uh, one win, one loss, and two ties. Um, the tiebreaker um, will most likely be determined by who has the most points in the Mountain Division um, on on the games uh, you know coming up here. Right now, San Antonio FC um, is up by one point. Um, for that here, they have uh, RGV has one more loss than San Antonio does, and and we got you know one more tied to separate that. But uh, with us facing El Paso, uh, we got two matches against El Paso. Uh, you know, hopefully we can you know, sneak uh, sneak the one out this week uh, for that here. Looking up at the standings here. Just to kind of go over of where we're at in the USL here. Um, out east, or, you know, in the Atlantic division, this is pending Pittsburgh, Atlanta that's playing right now. So, you know, technically, uh, probably by the end of the night, Pittsburgh will be in first place, but because that game is not final yet, um, have not counted that. Uh, so Tampa Bay Rowdies are technically in first place at 34 because uh, points because they do hold the, the – uh, uh, the tiebreaker between them and Pittsburgh. Uh, Pittsburgh, you know, well, well, is that currently 34 points? But uh, once this game in, assuming that it does, that will jump up to 37. Um, what's interesting about Pittsburgh, um, who we, who San Antonio will be playing uh, soon here, is they're six, six, two, and three on the road. So um, away from Pittsburgh, they're they're still a formative team here. So. Um, that's something to kind of keep an eye here because I think uh, San Antonio is going to be playing them um, within the next month or so uh, for that here. I think it's towards the end of September that they will uh, play. Miami FC, who is currently leading Hartford, um, is at 31 points. So they could move, uh, you know, beat right in that contender. Charlotte Independence uh, with the recent signings, uh, you know, that they brought in. Um, you can kind of see their form starting to pick up. They've got 18 matches played, 27 points. Um, so it looks like they're, they're going to be a contender. Um, and then, you know, Charleston and Hartford, you know, 27 points um, each, you know, for each one of them. You know, Hartford, uh, you know, if they don't get a goal in the next uh, three minutes, uh, you know, we'll have 18 games played and it'll be a missed opportunity for them to uh, move up into the playoff rankings. And then rounding out the bottom of the Atlantic, Red Bulls 2, who San Antonio FC was supposed to play, but unfortunately he's had that match rescheduled. And then Loudoun United, that's, you know, and, and, you know they did come away with a convincing win over Indy 11 this past week uh, for that here. Moving on to the Central, and these games are updated uh, as of uh, the Louisville Oklahoma City energy tie uh, earlier here Louisville City's in first place with 40 points uh, Birmingham Legion 33 points although they lost today to Tulsa um, Atlanta United two um, games not final but unless they come back uh, we'll have another loss uh, you know on, on the record to be at 21 points for that here so Tulsa um, Tied points, three, but it has three games in hand. Indy 11 uh, drew uh, Sporting Kansas City this afternoon, so some missed opportunity uh, for there. They're sitting at 23 points. Uh, the OKC Energy, I think, had a pretty good result. If you're drawing Lou City uh, for there, would they have, you know, they'd love to have got the points. 
And then Memphis 901, who also comes to San Antonio, uh, setting at 21 points with several games in hand uh, on there here. So the central goes seven deep, you know, you know, to, you know, figure out who the last two spots are going to get to. Um, unfortunately, sporting Kansas city, um, you know, you're setting at 15 points and 10 points out of a playoff spot right now. And things are not looking uh, very well uh, for you at this point. Uh, moving to the Pacific, uh, Phoenix rising, you know, starting to run away with it. Uh, 38 points. Orange County got a win against San Diego. So it moved, you know, moved them to 29 points. Um, Orange County also had a head coach change with uh, Cloutier uh, being let go and his replacement stepping in. So it'll be interesting to see how Orange County kind of finishes uh, the season. To me, the surprise is Tacoma uh, at 27 points. And, you know, they got three games in hand on Orange County. So it's very conceivable that they could end up in that second slot. Uh, the loyal, uh, like I said here, they're, they're to me, the loyal are like Tulsa, you know, when they're on, they're on, but when they're not on, um, you know, it, it just the results, you know, sometimes leave your head scratching with the talent that they have, uh, for that here. Watch out for Sac Republic. Um, they're starting to warm up six game unbeaten, uh, streak here, uh, for that here. Uh, San Antonio will travel, uh, to them and we'll get to that in San Antonio schedule coming up here, uh, for that here. And then, uh, LA Galaxy, uh, as you can see, looking at it here, them, the lights, and the roots, um, to, to me, are kind of, you know, the, the the bottom three teams on there. Um, if you look at the roots, you know, they do have some games in hand. I just don't know if they're quality and, and if they're deep enough uh, to, you know, to be able to climb out, climb out of the hole that they have. But they are on a three-game, uh, you know, uh, uh, undefeated streak here, um, having beat Las Vegas and, and – uh, and uh, LA Galaxy too. So um, Pacific's, uh, you know, very, uh, it, it, to me, you know, outside of Phoenix, you know, the, the Pacific, I still think Orange County, Tacoma and San Diego um, are probably the favorites uh, to get to get the playoff spot. Um, Sacramento's the sleeper team, but, you know, for me out West here, and the reason why that's important is uh, the Mountain will play, uh, you know, the Pacific in the playoffs here. Looking at the mountains, uh, conference here, uh, El Paso Locomotive, 10-game uh, unbeaten streak. I don't know, you know, there's, what, what can you say about them? 41 points, best in the league at this point. Um, 18 matches played, only allowed 10 goals on the season. Uh, switchbacks, um, uh, 29 points. Uh, RGV uh, starting to fall back to the pack, 29 points. Um, lose the tiebreaker right now uh, to <clears throat> to Colorado Springs, but uh, Colorado Springs is done playing their out of conference uh, schedule, so they've got 13 matches. They're all against the Mountain Mountain Conference, where you know uh, most of the Mountain Conference hasn't really played their out of conference. A whole like San Antonio thinks only played two um, was was supposed to play the Red Bulls, but you know they haven't. You know that game got canceled uh, for that here, so. For the switchbacks, if they're going to make the playoffs and continue to, to, you know, see if they can, you know, maybe I don't think anybody's going to push the locomotive, but if they can push for that second slot, which is a, a home playoff game in the first round, um, they have, they have, at this point, you know, they are the one in, in control. RGV is dealing with a little bit of in injuries. Um, 
if you follow, uh, you know, the striker Texas with Edson uh, or down in the Valley with Edson and, and his team here, um, you'll start to hear that, um, you know, injuries and depth is starting to become a concern, um, you know, for that here. They came off a rough match uh, against the locomotive, uh, you know, in El Paso where they were up 1-0. I think it was the 52nd minute, had an opportunity to get the 2-0 goal, uh, you know, a second goal. Um, unfortunately, a excellent play by the locomotive defense to, to stop it. And then, you know, Lucho had, you know, to me, the goal of the year candidate. Um, and probably my, at least at this point, my favorite uh, of the goal of the year. Uh, for USL championship uh, to uh, pull back, you know, you know, number one, uh, you know, the, the win and, and then win convincing with a three, one win. Austin bold <clears throat> as the striker, Texas has stated um, possibly their last season uh, rumor to be in sold setting at 25 points, San Antonio uh, with 17 matches setting at 24 uh, New Mexico United setting at 22 and real monarchs, not out of it, um, just because I don't think you know. But they've got they've got a lot of work to do, uh, sitting at sixteen points uh, for that here. <clears throat> Let's take a look here. So looking at uh, Copa Tejas, uh, you know, might as well just give the trophy to uh, El Paso. Uh, seven matches played, they got eighteen points. Uh, RGVs uh, got 11, only one more match left that they have uh, for that here. Uh, the Bold and San Antonio have matches left, um, but, you know, the, the maximum points San Antonio can get is 20. The maximum points that uh, El Paso can get is 21. And, and El Paso's, or pardon me, the Bold's at 21 and El Paso's setting at 18 points. So, you know, while... <clears throat> El Paso cannot clinch it in San Antonio. If they did, uh, unfortunately, get the three points here coming up, uh, you know, it's, you know, the next next match, which I also think is against San Antonio, if memory serves me correct, uh, in El Paso, uh, the trophy is going to be moving to them, you know, uh, from the Austin Bold, uh, who won it the first year of Copa Tejas, most likely second year is going to be going to uh, El Paso Locomotive unless you know, they just completely fall off the face of the earth uh, for that here. So we were talking about San Antonio's schedule here uh, with the with the uh, makeup here uh, for that here. <clears throat> so it kicks off this Saturday, assuming, you know, that the games are played. And, and you know, from um, I would expect game to be played, uh, you know, with, the, with my understanding that most of San Antonio FC players, if not all of them, have been vaccinated. And, you know, like I said, just with the time frames, uh, you know, from, you know, from the positive test, but uh, until they play, we don't know. Um, but this Saturday, they'll play El Paso Locomotive. Following Wednesday, they make up the Real Monarchs game uh, that was supposed to be last weekend, September 1st. The fourth, they host uh, the Riverhounds, who uh, are now at 4-1 over Atlanta. A Tuesday matchup against the Bold in, in Austin. So still somewhat of a home, uh, you know, I know it's away, but unfortunately Austin's run 500, 600 people and, and it's a drive up, drive back um, situation. So you got kind of four home games uh, here. And then then they start the road trip of all road trips for, uh, for uh, 
USL. Uh, on September 11th, they'll play the Real Monarchs. Then the 15th, they make up the Red Bulls game. And then the 18th, they go to Sacramento. Um, then they finally get a week off. So between now and the 18th of September, they're going to have what, seven matches. Um, and that's where this depth is going to come in uh, extremely uh, important here. On the 25th, uh, they, you know, they get New Mexico for the last time here in San Antonio. Um, and then they pick up another another busy swing, uh, uh, you know, October 3rd at Oklahoma City, October 6th at El Paso, home against uh, Memphis 901, home against San Antonio, or home against uh, FC Tulsa. And then their last way match is uh, at New Mexico, which, you know, San Antonio has struggled, struggled there. Um, a lot uh, for that here. Um, the final uh, two matches will, you know, are at home, uh, the Austin Bold and then the Colorado Springs uh, switchbacks here uh, for that here. So as you can tell, the, the schedule here uh, for San Antonio does get a little busy. Um, you know, that's why this, this you know, I, I know Royce on the, you know, you know, when they when they announced the makeups, uh, said that that you know that four game stretch will will be kind of a key determinator on how you know if number one if San Antonio is going to make the playoffs, but number two if they can make that push to to you know to get up because if you look at um, El Paso at home um, with how El Paso is playing, that's going to be tough. You know, they've been off uh, unfortunately for two weeks. Uh, limited training, you figure, you know, with the quarantine um, along those lines, they'll be fresh. You know, that's positive. Um, allow for some injuries uh, to heal, um, so that's also a huge positive. So um, the break here is is going to come at the right time. However, you know, you know, let's say if you can get past, you know, you've got two playoff teams that you're playing on on this first three game. Uh, stretch here um, for, you know, for that, you know, for that, uh, you know, you know, uh, for that here. To me, if you could walk away with six points, um, five to six points, you know, you know, I still think that's a win. If you only come away with the, the three points against Real Monarchs, um, you know, to me, that that's, that's where you're going to run and in, run into a little bit of trouble. Um and then, you know, the, the stretch against the Bold, Monarchs, Red Bulls, and Sacramento. I know San Antonio's away, but you got to figure they would be favored against the Bold. Uh, Monarchs, they play very well, but I still think they're a better team. Red Bulls, you know, is, is a winnable match, and, and their performance has it here. And then Sacramento Republic's kind of like San Antonio, where they underperformed early in the year, um, but they're starting to warm up. So to me, you know, I know Royce mentioned this road trip is, is the key, but to me, I, I could see them getting nine, 10 points very easily off of this road trip, uh, you know, for, you know, for that here. So that's why this, this three game home stretch, you know, that's going to be coming up with El Paso, Real Monarchs and Pittsburgh. To me, I think it's the bigger key to set that tone for there. Cause if you, you know, if you could walk away with nine points, which is doable, um, then that sets, you know, then you can get on that roll. Um, you know, for that here. So joining me. Thank you for joining me here, uh, uh, Matt uh, Pollard from 
the last word on sports. Uh, he is the beat writer for the third place, uh, Colorado Rapids, uh, the second place, uh, Colorado Switchbacks, and uh, former SAFC uh, personnel Dave Susie's new club, possibly next year, uh, Northern Colorado Hailstorm. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. So do you plan on covering the Hailstorm as well? I know you cover the other two teams. Are you going to add that third one? Uh, maybe a little bit. It's going to be, it's going to be difficult. I'll admit, I normally try to make it down to at least two to three switchbacks home games, but you know, uh, all of the clubs that looks like increasingly are going to like the Saturday night time that you have. So, you know, how many between how much overlap there is, how many weekends are there really where the Rapids don't play at all and the switchbacks play, and then how many times in which the Rapids don't play at all on a Saturday and I can right. you know, spend four hours in a car. Um, the drive up to Windsor, Colorado will be uh, a little bit easier. So definitely want to go to the home opener for um, Hailstorm. Definitely want to get out to at least two to three home games a season. So um, we'll see how that goes. And interestingly enough, Windsor is right next to the town of Greeley, Colorado, home mm-hmm. of the newest member of San Antonio, uh, center back Courtney Ford. Yes, yeah, so we we reached out to you originally to kind of get uh, um, Ford's story because uh, you know he is a new loney uh, coming in, um, and when you kind of look at the resume, it looks good, and then the last two years, kind of you know he's he's been injured. So um, he is a center back. Um, in reading the, uh, this comment kind of stood out to me by the Rapids communication team. Uh, Courtney has shown ex- uh, extraordinary resilience to overcome his horrific injury and return to regular activity with our first team, said uh, Patrick Smith. And I'm sorry if I mispronounced that. The Pork. VP, Pork Smith. Uh, Pork yes. Smith. Sorry about that. Uh, the Rapids uh, executive VP and general manager. Um, we're confident this loan will provide him an opportunity to acceler- accelerate that process he has made by earning consistent playing time. So that tells me he's coming down to play. <laughs> so yes. he's not going to come down to uh, sit on the bench. And I know San Antonio has some great, you know, will have some good center backs for, you know, for USL. Um, Axel Schulberg, uh, you know, who you're uh, familiar with, uh, you know, from the Rapids is down here as well. So what kind of player are we getting with Mr. Ford? Um, I'd say first and foremost, I'd say Courtney Ford kind of embodies the uh, Ford broke into the first team as hashtag keep fighting became kind of the unofficial mantra of the Colorado Rapids. And I think certainly Ford embodied that in terms of what he looks like from a technical perspective. I'd say he's probably the best of all the center backs I've seen. And the Rapids have a very, very long and good history of that. Going back to Marcella Baboa, U.S. national team player, who was the first captain in the history of the club, of very, very good center backs. And I'd say for a guy who's six foot two, he gets up there. So from an aerial dual perspective, both offensively and defensively, he scored his first goal with the club, I think his third or fourth game back in 2018 um, against Sporting Kansas City. Um, he plays like a center back in the air who's six foot four. So if you're talking about you want two trees in the middle who are going to not let any service into the box whatsoever at the USL level, Axel Schuberg and Courtney Ford in a back four would be a really, really good option. I would say up until the end of 2018, he was getting to be a better passer of the ball. 
that season had kind of completely just unraveled in the first year of Anthony Hudson that we now know was a poor hire in hindsight. And they were just looking for some kind of an option at the left center back, left back role. And Ford just kind of raised his hand and said, well, you've tried everybody else out. I'm not really going to be good going forward, but I'm not going to make any defensive mistakes. I'm going to run as fast as I can for a guy who's six foot two and I'll be a decent passer out of the back, which is something that they looked for. And so was the team playing well in August, September, October of that year? No. Could I point to 10 other things that were going way worse than Courtney Ford out of position at the left back position? Absolutely. So I think you're also getting a guy who he just wants to get on the field um, and whatever he, you know, if, uh, if for some reason he's asked to go play in goal because that's, what's going to help <laughs> San Antonio FC gets a result. He'll, you know, he'll, I mean, he'll have to see whether or not the gloves fit. And once he gets a pair of gloves that fit and puts on the right color Jersey, because it won't be a field player's Jersey, he'll do it. So I think from a mentality standpoint, from a professionalism standpoint, and just from a resiliency standpoint, you're getting an amazing human being. I think you're getting someone who had the physical attributes attributes from a typical center back athlete standpoint. He's still maybe developing some of what he's working on from the technical ball handling aspects of the game. And all of this, keep in mind, Harry's in the context of the fact that I have not seen him take the pitch in a competitive game in over two and a half years. And we'll see what that looks. We're not going to know until we find out when he actually steps on the field wearing black and red. And, and it's, it's an odd time for him to come to San Antonio just because unfortunately we're dealing with some COVID issues. So, but I have heard, uh, you know, that uh, training has kind of picked back up, you know, that he is starting to be able to, to mix with the players um, for that here. But, you know, to me, that the, you, to me, you can, you can tell the Rapids, have this guy, you know, still want this guy to be in, in their future here. So with him being out two years, I, I think he had a surgery almost a year ago. Uh, I want to say almost to the date. I know it was in August. Uh, you know, that Which expected. one? There's been the honestly... second one. Okay. Well, the, yeah. The, the second one that, that the, you know, at least the court that, that's public. Yeah, I don't know if you, there's been more, but uh, can you tell me a little bit about kind of what his injury situation is? Obviously it sounds like a very serious issue um and then you know i know he had a second surgery was that where maybe he came back too soon or is it just you know kind of following up on that first surgery um there is a very long story here to stay here harry that i think you know an athletic style like human interest piece in excess of two thousand words is going to tell and between some of the turnover you've had at the club from the athletic staff i think really the only person who truly knows the entirety of it in detail would be courtney ford and the doctors that he's been working at in and around colorado so the original knee injury um took place in <clears throat> excuse me, took place in March of 2018. That was on his left knee. That was described publicly as an MCL sprain. Um, like many of the PRE updates we get on it, you know, uh, the off-season meetings always go well. The interviews always go well with the new head coach who joins and the surgeries are always successful. So court came back in the summer of later that year. I want to say it might've been late June. I think it was August at the absolute latest. He was probably playing sometime in July. I'd have to look that stat up and he finished out the rest of the season it came back. It wasn't really, we weren't really sure what was going on going into 2019. You know, it was kind of a, eh, he's doing some training, he's doing some rehab. Uh, you know, he posts something semi cryptic on his social media, like his Instagram feed or something like that. And then it came out, oh, he's had surgery. He's out for the rest of 2019. 
2020 was what it was. He was going through, he had a bunch of other surgeries as well. So we kind of didn't really know. That being said, there were a number of other players who had niggling injuries, other injury issues, other um, players as well who were out for a significant chunk, if not all of 2020. And the club chose not to retain him. And every single time I've spoken with, it would have been originally Anthony Hudson, then interim head coach and striker legend, MLS Cup champion, Connor Casey, and then now Robin Frazier, that would have been at the, that would have been the head coach of the club during this entire, you know, journey that Court Ford's been on and then Pork Smith as well. And every single time I spoke to the head coach, whoever it was, I spoke to the head athletic trainer and I spoke to the general manager, Pork Smith, about it and everything. They said, you know, we have faith in Courtney. We're giving him the time and everything. We know the person that he is. We know that the player that he's capable of being and we have trust and faith in him. How much of that was a decision because he was on the homegrown deal? So that's, you know, beneficial for a number of reasons in MLS that some of the other players might not have been. One of the players who they did cut ties with was an international player. International slots can be valuable in the USL championship in Major League Soccer. But, you know, fundamentally they were saying is they were willing to support him financially give him whatever resources that meant that which included several times going outside the club to see specialists for his surgery other recommendations and everything And it was just you know they they put all of this faith into him to get back to this point and I think that shows the goodwill that he had built up as a person within the club I think that showed the type of player that he is and maybe how he would have been handling that rehab and all of those different setbacks relative to other players so all of that goes through and we get to 2020 we get to the first initial, you know, first week of preseason, Pork Smith and Robin Frazier are available. The first question I ask in our Zoom meeting, I raise my hand, clicking the little button, and I say, you know, hey, Pork, um, what's going on with Courtney Ford? You spoke to him, you said that he was doing his usual off-season regiment. He was done with rehab. Where he's at? And he said, Court's in training. He's available for selection for preseason. He's just like any other normal player. So, and I think, you know, the fact that he's been able to climb this proverbial mountain relative to other players, you know, I think just speaks to that all that faith has been shown and validated and now they're repaying that faith with giving him an opportunity to play with the mind that he probably doesn't have a significant role to play in the 2021 season but from their perspective let's get him to the point where he can be a contributor for 2022 and obviously you know he's joining a club that you know have greater aspirations when it comes to the playoffs in the usl so being from colorado uh i grew up on on the western slope here uh you know for that here so Soccer wasn't that big of a deal now. I'm a little bit older, but to me to have a home, you know, a hometown kid, you know, to go from Greeley to the University of Denver. Um, I know he spent some time in the Rapids Academy uh, system here um, to play for, you know, for the Rapids. I know here in San Antonio, we promote that, you know, quite a bit, you know, and I know it's a little bit different from USL, you know, saying, you know, you know, path to path to uh, professional than it is for an MLS team, but you know, for, you know, for the Rapids and, and, you know, does that, you think, do you think that's kind of helps keep him on the team just from those local ties and stuff that he has there? I know he's got the talent. If he didn't have the talent, he wouldn't be there, but you know, just because he is a local kid, you know, it is a good story, uh, you know, for him to be able to do and, and he's earned it. Um, but, you know, to me, just, just to be able to go from, you know, you know, you know, the, the academy system up through the system in Colorado. I don't know of many other, you know, local Colorado kids that that have had that opportunity and have have been as as successful as, as uh, Courtney has. 
Yeah, no. So I think the so the question is if Courtney Ford wasn't a homegrown, if Courtney Ford was not, you know, didn't grow up in Greeley, didn't play at DU, didn't lead the DU Pioneers to their first ever uh, college play college Final Four yes. as captain. Um, you know, if he had done that at an, any other college program, and if he was a draft pick, I. Um, I, I think that's hard to say. I think Court's there because of the goodwill that he's built up within the organization and clearly the type of person that he is. And I don't think that there's, a, I, I don't think he's just there because of the emotional ties or because of just it's a good PR story for that. Where I do think it does have some value in the context of what the club's trying to do. And now we're finally seeing them reap the benefits in terms of what they built out with their with their development academy you know we see sam vines just got sold to royal antwerp so the rapids are trying to enter that international market in ways that the new york red bulls fc dallas have been in philadelphia another mls club you know has entered and is in that space and you know there's uh you know paxton aronson's getting looked at by a bunch of um you know, by a bunch of European clubs. And we've also seen that with Cole Bassett, who's broken in and a regular starter for the team, maybe not as high of a ceiling as Sam Vines, if you're asking me personally. But where I think it does show to the other players within the club, it's showing that you can have an injury. And if you put in the goodwill, if it shows that you're putting in the effort and like you're going to come back and be a contributing member of the first team, we're going to support you no matter how long it takes. You know, it's taken court two and a half freaking years <laughs> to actually get here because of all the setbacks and they didn't know what was going on. And maybe one of the surgeries got botched and everything. So, you know, they're showing, you know, like there's there could be an 18 year old kid, a 19 year old kid in the academy right now contemplating going to college or something who could go to college who could you know be on a scholarship or anything tear their acl in a big rivalry match in the acc and the pac-12 or what have you and that you know the club's not immediately going to say yeah we have no interest in signing you as a homegrown if you prove that you're able to come back from injury and actually contribute so i think that has shown value i think it's a i think both groups are putting faith in the other and the faith has been repaid now to the point where we're in this situation and going forward where I think Courtney Ford will challenge for minutes in 2022 in preseason if he's able to play regularly for San Antonio now. And I will say, uh, you know, you know, I hope Courtney does a great job here with us. And the only thing that scares me on loans is getting called back, especially come playoff time. But I know the Rapids, Rapids are actually, you know, Developed quite, you know, developed some depth. Uh, talent's also been raised here, so hopefully we'll be able to hold on to him this year. But you know, if he does blow up and and, and performs really, really well here, um, it, you know, you, you can't fault the kid for going back home and, and getting started. Um, but my final question to you, not going to be on the Rapids or, or Courtney, but uh, the switchbacks. Uh, you know, I know you follow the switchbacks, uh, you know, for it here. You know, just in your view, how has their season gone? You know, to me, to me, I thought they were a good team. I don't know. I expected them to be this good. We're right now second, you know, second in, in the mountain division. Um, the attack is, and I put this out there on Twitter, I think it's on par with rising. You know, if you look at the top three, you know, the, the forwards um, and how they're producing in, you know, they, they, you know, they rolled RGV, what, two weekends ago. For that here, and, and they tied Charlotte this past weekend. And yeah, that was a crazy was a, game. If you haven't seen it, folks, go back and look at it. Goal fest insanity. <laughs> three three, and it was it was a fun game. You know, it it it, it, it was a, com a competitive game. Got a little chippy at the end, but uh, uh, you know that's why you play the game here. But to me, like I said, I think you know for Colorado Springs to 
to to make that serious push, they gotta they gotta tighten up the defense. Um, you know, you know, I think what thirty four goals allowed, thir- uh, forty one scored. Um, do you see uh, the switchbacks making any moves uh, this year? I, I know they tend to be a, a small budget team, but with the new stadium, possibly uh, maybe maybe they find some more money in the couch. Yeah. So first thing I'll say, Harry, to address maybe some of your listeners who are concerned about Ford playing well and then getting called back in a timely manner to um, the uh, to the big club. I would say the Colorado Rapids have five games in 16 days at the end of October. That ends on they play at Houston on Halloween, and that is that fifth game in the in the two weeks two days stretch then they have a full week off before what we call decision day in mls they're hosting lafc for the final match day of the season i believe that's november 7th whatever that sunday in the first week of november is and then the playoffs happen after that so if court starts playing really well if he bangs in a couple goals if san antonio is getting clean sheets you know if axel schuberg's tweeting photos of the two of them embracing <laughs> after wins and everything and hyping him up and everything i'd look middle of october for him to get called back and then i'd say if if we don't get some form of press release on on November 8th, depending on what's going on with San Antonio season and everything about him coming back to be to have a full able body squad for the playoffs and everything, I think he's yours for the end of the season. But so middle of October, I think is that first deadline. Let's see what happens there. And then end of end of October, first week in November would be the other two worry periods that I would have if I was a San Antonio FC fan. Your yeah, question about Go ahead. USL season ends October 30th as well, and then the playoffs uh, will start that following week uh, for the here. So I think they're about a week ahead of MLS. So yes, uh, for the here. Yeah. So then your question about the switchbacks, you know, in terms of off the field, I think it's been an absolute success. You know, the pandemic notwithstanding, new stadium has been a huge success. They've been getting really big, good crowds, way better than they got at that bona fide high school stadium. Uh, you know, going back to last hey, year, I like that old stadium. It was. I- it it was an interesting it was an interesting field. I'll leave it at that. But you know, I I, I was able to attend what, two games there in uh, I think you know yeah I was missed last year, but the two years three maybe three years the three years prior, I was able to to attend games up up there. And you know, I haven't been to the new stadium yet, but. Uh, I enjoyed it. It was a nice, it was a nice little stadium, you know, that they had uh, up there for you know, okay. the old wider field. Yeah. So in any case, I think from a coaching standpoint, I think Brendan Burke has really developed and kind of come into his own with his ideas from a pressing at times, you know, to being a little bit more pragmatic against the bigger teams and everything. They found an absolute gem in Haji Berry. How he isn't coming off the bench for some team in MLS is just absolutely shocks me. Not that I'm complaining about it because watching him score bangers in the USL has been way more entertaining um so you know i think yeah so um you know i think you know off the field a a plus i think from a coaching higher standpoint and that being vindicated i think that's i'd say that's an a minus right now i think he has made some mistakes but he's learned from them as the team Mm -hmm. has learned from them in terms of the relationship between the rapids and the switchback sebastian anderson he's come in put a shift philip mayaka has kind of bloomed very nicely in his rookie professional season as well i think the concern that i have is you know you get down the stretch here you get into end of regular season games that are going to effectively be playoff games from a results standpoint and then actually in the playoffs you've got a group of players and a team as a whole that hasn't really been there 
You've got a head coach who hasn't really been there. If we look back at his time with Bethlehem Steel, and at some point, you know, does the experience of a San Antonio, of an El Paso, of New Mexico, if for some reason they end up playing Phoenix or a Louisville, you know, does that experience of we've been there, we've done that, we know how to handle these situations. This is still a team that is capable of putting a stinker of naivete together against more experienced opposition. That's something I'm concerned about. The simple fact that this team is that just looking at the form table, looking at how they played and the signature wins that they've got, that it's like now it's the, at this point this season, it'd be, it would be a disappointment for me if they don't get in the playoffs. And I was kind of 50, 50, I was like four seed. We'll see how it goes. We'll see where the depth comes at. Are there any injuries kind of a thing going back to, I think maybe last time you guys had me on the show when they were still figuring out who they were as a team and their mentality. But now I would say like the, like this season is a failure at this point, if they don't make the playoffs and just making the playoffs and then not having a stinker in that playoff game to then build towards the forward, bearing in mind, Brendan Burke told me this is a two to three year project for him as a club with the new stadium. It's a two to four year project in terms of a, could we become a Phoenix of the mountain division? Mm -hmm. Could we become a Louisville, a Tampa? That's a three to five year plan. So the simple fact that there's a competitive, fun team to watch, a veteran core that's developing, and they have a great relationship with their MLS affiliate. Like, you know, we're looking at A minus is B plus easily across the entire field. So I'm really excited to see what happens. And at this point, as long as they make the playoffs, they're playing with house money. So one final question, just, you know, because you talked about the affiliation and since we had you on, um, USL and MLS have kind of broken up a little bit, you could say. Um, any idea how that relationship will work with the Rapids? Because I know they're not a two team, but with the MLS Reserve uh, League, you know, going to be coming into play. Do you see the Rapids putting a team together for that, or do you think it'll still have kind of that lone relationship with with the switchback? <laughs> On the macro, I have no idea. I think it's a case-by-case basis for each individual team. You know, uh, there's a part of me that's really sad to kind of see New York Red Bulls 2 leave the USL because I thought they were one of the few two teams that actually contributed and tried to do stuff. You know, Atlanta playing out in the boonies, Los Dos and everything by Felicia, could not care less. Um, But, you know, I I spoke with Forrest Smith before in preseason where we knew that the Reserve League was happening they the CBA negotiations were still taking place, so we didn't know whether or not. Uh, first of all, we didn't know whether or not season was going to happen at that point, which was scary. Mm-hmm. And then we didn't know when it was going to happen. And he said, you know, we're interested in the long term in the reserve league. They weren't going to feel the reserve team in the reserve league if it happened this season. Obviously, the reserve league didn't happen. I think that's something the club will be exploring sometime this off season. I think the club, especially with the appointment of Brian Crookham. Uh, who's the academy director for the Rapids, as the general manager of the Switchbacks. He was the person who Mm -hmm. oversaw the coaching search to ultimately bring Brendan Burke in. They're still going to see some value in having that relationship. And I think there will be value in putting young kids in a professional environment with real men who are trying to win rather than, I I still have no idea, like it's the reserve league. I've spoken to a couple old Rapids players and old guys who played in the reserve league were like the biggest thing for them was winning the division meant that they got like a $2,000 bonus, which the amount of money that they were making on the rookie deals in the reserve league, like two grand was like another month's worth of salary for them. So I, I don't, I still don't know what type of players are going to recruit to the reserve league. Is it going to be an extension of the, is it going to basically be like the U25s from mm-hmm. an academy standpoint? And are, are, you know, are players really going to care about that as opposed to just develop and getting minutes? Whereas Sebastian Anderson's gone down. Yes, he wants to play. He wants to be on a team that wins. 
Philip Mayaka's playing, knowing that he has to compete to play to win. Same thing for Mike Edwards and everything. So I still think um, if the Reserve League starts next year and the Rapids feel the Reserve League, will there, for me, will there be at least two Rapids players loaned down to the switchbacks over the course of the, you know, for the majority of the season? I will say yes. What yeah. that, what else that looks like and what ramifications that has for the championship, for potential players who maybe MLS decides to throw more money on that for the MLS veterans who are never going to ch- get a chance at MLS. I still don't know. I'm not sure anybody knows other than Don Garver up in his evil lair in New York. So, <laughs> so Matt, it's always a pleasure having you on here. Uh, how can people follow you and, and uh, if they want to touch base with you? Yeah, sure. So hit me up on Twitter at LWS Matt Pollard. P-O-L-L-A-R-D on my last name. You can find all my written content at lastwordonsports.com backslash soccer. Most of it is MLS, though we're doing a smattering of other things. We'll be focusing on World Cup qualifiers here for the United States coming up the first week of September. Um, And then uh, from a podcast audio perspective, um, holding the high line, um, just search that or Colorado Rapids wherever you're listening to this. If you're listening in podcast form, you'll find us. And on Twitter, that's rapids96podcast um, on the Twitter machine, mostly rapids, one eye on the switchbacks, and increasingly, I think we're gonna have to grow a third eye so that we can focus on hailstorm <laughs> next year. Hey, I'm excited. You know, somebody that you know that grew up in Colorado in, in the 80s and 90s, uh, where you know it, soccer was only in you know like you know uh, was it Cherry Creek? You know, the, the, the yeah, you would have like the foxes. That. Yeah. <laughs> so it's only in Denver to see where now, even on Western Colorado, you know, it's the soccer is spread through the state and, and where you're going to have three professional teams. Um, maybe Grand Junction at some point can get get a, a USL t- uh, two team or a NISA team or something like that, because, you know, the West Coast or the Western Slope needs some love to uh, mm-hmm. here. But uh, it was a pleasure to have you on, Matt. Like I said here, always appreciative of, of your comments. Uh, you know, apologize. Royce wasn't on here. I know he's really <laughs> looking forward. Uh, to the conversation, but you know, unfortunately, family issues popped up, and as we both know, that that comes first. So, mm-hmm. do appreciate you coming forth and, and telling us uh, about Courtney Ford's story and and uh, what San Antonio fans can expect. Yeah, thanks, Harry. Just support him; he's a good kid. He'll fit right in, and I'm sure I'm sure Big Axe has already given him a huge hug as soon as he <laughs> arrived in the locker room. I'm looking forward to it. Appreciate it. All right. Well, I do want to give a, a thank you to uh, Matt Pollard uh, of the uh, uh, managing editor of The Last Word on Sports, uh, giving us the um, insight about Courtney. Uh, I'm excited to see him. Uh, you know, you know, I'm interested to see what the formation will be uh, for it here with him. I wonder, do you go three back? Um, you know, with you know, with him, Axel, and. Uh, I'm drawing a blank here when that happens. Um, hold on. The guy from, uh, I don't want to mispronounce his name. Kamiri, uh, uh, through there. That would be a pretty impressive three back uh, for that here. Um, I haven't heard uh, if PC is going to be ready yet um, you know, for that here. Royce did uh, send a uh, Instagram message that uh, Patino was uh, practicing uh, a little bit here uh, for that here. So maybe he'll be back soon uh, for that here. But, you know, just to kind of tune up a little bit on El Paso, I know uh, Royce is a little bit more on the technical side. 
so far, El Paso's two and zero against us on the year. Uh, one two to one, you know, with with a uh, retake of the PK in the first match here, and then a, a Diego Luna goal, and then you know one two zero in El Paso with another Diego Luna uh, goal where where he's got two uh, two goals against us here. To me, you know, you've got to give it up to El Paso. You know, they're on a 10-game unbeaten streak, and that 10 games is eight wins, two draws, and they're a plus 14 goal differential. Um, to me, they, they, you know, the coaching staff, the, you know, just the, the formation that they have, and, and I know I give uh, Seriously Loco, uh, you know, a hard time, you know, when it comes to uh, – some of the the ticky tack stuff, uh, you know, from the refs here, uh, you know, you know, defending my guys just like they defend uh, their guys here. Uh, I'm assuming Diego Luna will be back uh, on there. You know, he had a red card. Um, I'm assuming it's just one game. Haven't really, you know, saw if it's more than that <coughs> for that here. But to me, the key for San Antonio is how can they is how can they slow down Diego Luna. Um, because against San Antonio, you know, that kid has just been special. And, and I think if you can kind of limit him, you know, I think San Antonio, you know, ha has a chance, uh, you know, with uh, the locomotive, they play a four, three, one, two, uh, for, you know, for that here and, you know, up top, um, you know, looking at it here, they got Dylan Mars, uh, Louis Solinac and, and to me, the key, uh, Diego Luna up three or there are three attacking, um, you know, attacking, uh, you know, players there uh, for that here. So, you know, in the back, you got Yuma and uh, Michek Jerome, who I don't, if you didn't catch the RGV match, uh, he had a hell of a, a save on the goal line uh, to prevent RGV from taking a second goal uh, for that here. But uh, to me, you know, San Antonio's played a 4-2-3-1 uh, with them with Nathan up top. Um, with, uh, you know, uh, well, according to here, uh, the, the site that has the four, three, two, one, but I think it was more, you know, they had Nathan, they had Cueo, they had Jose, uh, they had Abu, uh, they had Cam Lindley, Gleadal, Maloney, uh, Kamiri, uh, Deplane, and then Doyle, uh, you know, in, in the last match, uh, for that here. So, I think for me, like I said here, this this is a pivotal stretch for San Antonio, as I mentioned earlier. They've got it, you know, these next three games, they're going to be, uh, you know, in a week, um, you know, they've got to get off to a good start with them here. So um, hopefully, you know, they can come away. Uh, I think they at least get a tie uh, for it here. I don't think that they, I don't think they lose a second one um, for that, you know, for that here. Um, but, you know, it's it's going to be tough. Um, we need fans to turn out. Uh, we need to make Toyota feel loud. Um, the Crocketeers, uh, you know, Two Ten Alliance and Mission City are going to be having a tailgate. I, I know the Crocketeers have already put some information out that they're going to have a live band. Um, you know, you know, of course, with the beer that they have uh, for that here, Tough Dog Brewing. Uh, you know, for that here, Alamo Beer, Southside Soda, Kabasi. Uh, for right here. So I think that's going to wrap me up here uh, tonight here. Just, you know, like I said here, you know, apologize that, uh, you know, Royce uh, wasn't here and, and you know, uh, Rafa's uh, dealing with, uh, you know, uh, other issues with the family. 
Um, hopefully, Rafa will be back soon. Uh, Royce, I, I think, will be back next week, uh, where we'll be uh, talking uh, the results from El Paso, um, and hopefully with three points, uh, you know, for that here, El Paso, and then uh, I think they play, yeah, El Paso, and then uh, the first, right? That's this week. No, no, yeah. So this next week will just be the El Paso match, and then you know after that, you know, you know you know, they start their marathon run. So this is their last week to kind of get healthy, uh, get it, you know, get the practice practice in for really the next three, you know, next uh, three games here uh, for that here. But do you want to thank everybody from tuning in? Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Robert. Uh, thank you, AJ. And, you know, especially thank you to Matt Pollard uh, from coming on from last world on uh, sports uh, forward slash uh, soccer. Uh, for out here for giving us the insight on um, Mr. Ford, Courtney Ford, and thank you. And uh, what's life without goals? We're out.